He who lives by the claw dies by the claw. As I live and breathe, the Wolverine. And he's a junkie now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Style Guide with your host, Dave Morris and Stephen Orr. How are you today, Steve-O? I'm fantastic. I'm fantastic. It is so good to hear your voice in that particular way again, Dave. I know. Isn't it great? It's nice. Sometimes you just got to bring something back. <laughs> it's, it's you know, every now and then something something happens in the world, and and the world needs its heroes, Dave and Steve, to to stand up and say, we're going to do a podcast about it. Yeah, like you know, like like someone needs to do something for twenty years of their life, and at the end of that twenty years, do the best thing ever, which is this podcast. <laughs> wow, twenty years! We've been at this a lot longer than I remember. Well, we haven't, but uh, what we're talking about today has, which is of course uh, Logan. Logan, which is the 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 latest uh, uh, the prequel to Logan's run. <laughs> yeah, the pre- the latest in in a Marvel franchise of of X Men and Logan. I think it's the latest one, right? There hasn't been another one since. There has not been since one. today, like the recording of this podcast. Since today, no, and I mean, it is it is a Marvel hero, but not a Marvel Studios film. It's important to make that distinction for our yes, listeners. That's good. That's good to make a good distinction there. Um, yeah, because it because uh, of course, um, what's his name? Wolverine. Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart have been playing those characters for almost Ever. 20 years, which is unbelievable and remarkable. And what a great way to kind of finish those characters. Yeah, it was a it was a way for the two of them to just kind of say goodbye to two characters who have been with us for 17 years now. Yeah, amazing. 18 and and what's particularly fascinating and fun about it is that so few characters get a send-off in that sort of big final way. And this movie is definitely that. Yeah, it's so cool. It's so great. Yeah, so uh, we've already kind of started here, but do, do you have anywhere I particularly like to start? I, I think starting here kind of at the the bigness of this film, the kind of the finality of it is a is a good way to go. Yeah, like uh, and like how it is the... Uh, it's the culmination of years worth of storytelling in order to even be able to do this film, which I think is what makes it so beautiful is like we talk, we talk, I mean, I don't We should have like a, a like a, a, a chime or something every time we say the word legacy casting. Um, because it's clearly one of my favorite things in films is when the casting itself helps tell the story and like without it, it wouldn't work the same. And so Having Patrick Stewart play Professor X, so old mm-hmm. and frail, what a beautiful like the fact that we've know we've seen him age through the course of these movies just makes it even older, you know. And like all these years worth of Wolverine movies, and now we finally get to see Hugh Jackman play this really gruff old Wolverine. It's so it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Yeah, and well, and we've seen. We've seen the character as a very young man during the American Civil War. <laughs> yeah, what we have. And, you know, to kind of get to him in the future at the at the end of days for for mutants, for for superheroes and for him and Xavier. It's yeah, it it is such a fitting moment. And and I think you're right to point out like it is the culmination of you know 17 18 years of films 
but it's not just a culmination of the X-Men series and of the Wolverine movies. It's, in a lot of ways, a culmination of superhero films in general. Mm. The X-Men movies were, in some ways, the beginning of the rebirth of the superhero genre. I don't think that that's unfair to say. Yeah, no, I think that's fairly like it, it was the the first X Men was when everyone was back into superheroes. Uh, my only question is Spider Man. Did Spider Man come out with Toby? Was that before? That's a good question, and I feel like Spider Man might be like a two thousand two film. Yeah, yeah, but like it's it's around that same period where where it ends up being. I, I no, you know what? I'm gonna say just definitively <laughs> that the the X Men is the uh, the definitive Spider-Man. <laughs> Wait. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> what I, I'm, I'm trying to say. Sorry, 2002 was the first Spider-Man movie. So yeah. So, so, so X-Men, X-Men definitely beat it. Yeah. It yeah. was the it was the relaunch of of superhero movies. Yeah, and the difference between X-Men and this movie, I mean, they're they're completely different genres. Oh, it's a totally different film. Yeah, completely different. Radically different sentiment, and so much has happened in in the cinema world uh, and the superhero genre since then. The Marvel Cinematic Universe in its entirety lives in between these two movies. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. How, how much how much more in one direction can we get? Like, I think uh, other examples of that kind of like branching off the genres like was uh, oh, what's it? Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Right, because Deadpool just was like very dirty, and like very, very dirty comedy, basically, and self-referential and all that. And same with like Guardians of the Galaxy, kind of went off in this more like fun and playful superhero movie. Yeah. Instead of always being epic, and so this to me is like now now we're doing drama. Yeah. And and to me it's this now we're doing like like real stories. Which, which is shocking. I think you're right to point out how shocking it is for the genre. I mean, we had moments of uh, of some of that. Although, in like in Spider-Man Three, the like the dark Tobey Maguire as the brooding Superman was played as a joke, as a super deliberate joke, because it wasn't really believed that you could have superheroes being real and dramatic and honest characters at the yeah. time. And even throughout, we have echoes of some of that stuff in, like, the character of Tony Stark as Iron Man. You know, he he is human-ish. He has human qualities, but he it's it, it's never enough to fully make the film a dramatic film. It's always a superhero epic story first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's always a, I don't know, a level of, like, silliness to superhero movies. <laughs> Part of it is that it always seemed necessary, right? Like, if you're dealing with people who can move things with their minds and freeze people with their breath, how do you play that straight? Yeah, and, like, I mean, his name is Spider-Man. Yeah. Like, that's just a silly name and works really well in the comic book world. And I think part of why comic book movies have been able to get epic, I think, is because the comic books have been around for so long that those names have just sort of become, like, a... I don't know what what it would you call it when when a word sort of loses its meaning and just represents something else, you know, like like uh I remember the first time I noticed it was the band Silverchair. <laughs> do you remember that band from Australia in like the 90s? I do like remember that kind of a rocker. Yeah, I'm free. Maybe 
And they were Silverchair. And you never, and until, it, it took a while before I even realized that those are two words, silver and chair, and that it's like an image of a silver chair. All of a sudden, I was like, that's weird. What a weird name for a band. But you kind of forget what it means, and it's just now it represents them. Or like Pearl Jam. You know, like, yeah. you stop thinking of the words Pearl and Jam, and you just think of Pearl Jam. And so Spider-Man has done that. Superman has done that. Batman. Like, these are some silly, cheesy names for superheroes, in all honesty. Yeah. But because we've heard them so much over the last, like, I don't know, 50 years for some of these characters, maybe more, um, they they stop sounding silly, and they just start sounding like a name. And so superhero movies have been able to take advantage of that. And I think this movie has taken the most advantage of it. Because when she calls him Wolverine, it's not like, what a silly name for a character. But it's like, no one said that name yet in this whole movie. And it takes on, you know, like, and I don't think they ever call him Professor X. No, he calls him Charles and Chuck throughout the film. Charles, Chuck. I think at one point he calls him Professor as like a joke or something like that. And the girl's name is not something like Mini Claw or anything like that. It's just Laura or Lara, Mm -hmm. which is like... So it's like very real feeling, but like we take it all, all the, all the silliness of the past is like gone in this film. The term that I would use to describe what you're looking for, I'd say a dead metaphor where, you know, when, when we have something, a figure of speech that no longer really means itself, you know, mm. the, the example on the Wikipedia page is time is running out which was always a reference to something like an hourglass where time was running out through an hourglass. Yeah. And that's, it, it had a, it had a meaning and now it's removed from it or like to separate the wheat from the chaff. Does anyone even know what that means anymore? No. And, and, and so it, it, it becomes so removed from the intent and the imagery of the original phrase that when we say it, it, it just seems normal and commonplace and not a reference to corn husks. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. And you're right to point out the, that their names are have just become that, which is so fascinating. Like Superman is a great example. where oh, Such a dumb name, right? It's such a stupid name. And it's, it's one that a lot of the Superman films try and go back to in that they try to return the epicness of the name and he is the superman and it doesn't have any of the weight that it it should or would have because we have 50 60 70 years of baggage with that name that Mm -hmm. superman actually has meaning for us in the world it it means dude in a cape yeah it means superman the guy yeah yeah even though it's a stupid name yeah, which is something that Deadpool, you're right, got exactly played totally straight. They're like, this is ridiculous. We get that it's ridiculous. We're going to point out that it's ridiculous, which mm-hmm. is something that superhero movies do from time to time. Like in the X-Men movies, they have made jokes about the old costumes of the X-Men, for example, and that sort of stuff. But it uh, here, they just said, nope, we're, this, this is a dude named Logan. Yeah. And someone's going to call him the Wolverine, but he's going to mostly reject that. You know, it's yeah. it's not who he is. His he is James Howlett. Howlett. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it was it's beautiful. Yeah, it's an it's an incredible build upon past work. You know, like like how stop me if I go too far down a tangent. 
but how like Lord of the Rings is built upon uh, more ancient myths and tales of like Beowulf and uh, and the the Siegfried and the Ring kind of stuff, and how like all of those epic symbols from ancient times have been put into Lord of the Rings that make those things feel even more uh, special. Yeah. Without ever having, yeah, without having to go back and explain what a, a wizard is, because we have all these tales of wizards, it fits perfectly in our brain when we hear that he's a wizard. You know, uh, does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, same thing with this film, where it's like we know who all of these people are. We don't, and and we know them because we've heard all the other stories. So now you can build upon that and tell a different kinds of kind of story. What it makes me think of is the Dark Knight. Or it makes me think of Rogue One, in that these were both films that were coming into something with a lot of baggage. Yeah. Batman had been around for a long time before The Dark Knight. Rogue One was fighting the combined history of Star Wars. Yeah. And and what they did with both films, although Rogue One to a lesser extent, was said, we're going to do something with the title that shows that break. The Dark Knight doesn't say Batman anywhere. Mm-hmm. Rogue One, it has it, it's a Star Wars story, but same with Logan. Logan isn't a Wolverine movie. It's not an X-Men movie. It's Logan. And that's yeah. such a, a kind of bold break choice that says we have all this inherited baggage from this long history, but it, we don't just have that baggage. And I think pointing to mythology and the mythos around something like Lord of the Rings is a great is a great kind of point to compare to. Yeah, well, and then in, in also when Harry Potter came out and it used Lord of the Rings as like a reference point. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting. Well, and and so I'm I've never read Old Man Logan. I assume you have because you're a nerd. You're a nerd. Uh, I. I actually don't think I've ever read it. I I, I know this story because I'm uh, I, I know comic book stories because I follow along like that kind of nerd. But yeah. So one of the things that about this film is that people mentioned Old Man Logan leading like when it was coming out, right? Like it had something to do with Old Man Logan, but it really doesn't. And I, I was so I was I watched some of the special features because that's the kind of person I am, mm-hmm. and some interviews with the director. And he said he was trying to do more of an Unforgiven with yeah. this movie which as soon as he said it, i was like yes totally what it is it's clint eastwood with all this baggage of being an awesome gunslinger and we get to see him old and tired and and broken uh and so he he was drawing it mostly on unforgiven and not had very little to do with old man logan in in, in the creation process uh and i i love I love that comparison to Unforgiven because that's exactly what it is. And let me say it again, legacy casting. Uh, showing this this character that we've watched grow up now old and broken. It's just, it's just uh, even if you haven't seen any of the other X-Men movies and you've only read the comics, you know enough about Wolverine that seeing him broken, it, it hurts. Yeah. Right? And yeah, which brings me to the other thing I love about this movie is that it's rated R and that it is ultra-violent. And it's finally like, well, this is what Wolverine would fight like. <laughs> right. Which is something that always bothered me about cartoons and comic books with Wolverine is that he never stabs anybody to death. <laughs> like, very rarely does he cut people up, which he totally should. He has claws. But he's always like, 
hitting them and then like knocking them out or something. <laughs> like, why? Just kill them. You're you got claws. You hate everybody. So yeah, I love those, that 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 comparison to Unforgiven. This is this is one of the great things about this film in particular. Like, obviously Shane, the the film Shane is a huge point of inspiration for this for this movie. Yeah. they don't they don't <laughs> <It's> pretend. <in> <laughs> yeah, like they they show the film at one point. The last words of the movie are her quoting the Shane to to his to his to grave. Kid, yeah. And what's what I what I love particularly about that is Shane is a character who is living in the wake of the Civil War, which is even more fascinating, right? When you think about the long history of the character of, of Logan and Wolverine, who is who or whose origin is in the Civil War, and that's fun and yeah. fascinating. But what I like about it is that instead of like subtle subtle nods to Shane, the director said Nope, I'm clearly inspired by this film. I'm clearly inspired by the genre of west genre of westerns. I'm just gonna say that. Yeah, I'm just gonna put it in the movie and have X Professor X talk about it. Yeah, like it's 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 a thing that I'm doing. Why would I pretend otherwise? And and that's what I love so much about this film is that it doesn't need it doesn't feel the need to be more clever than its audience. It. It says, no, I'm going to I'm going to lay everything on the table and you pick up what you want to out of this. And Mm -hmm. and and you do you pick up different threads as you watch it more and more in different times. And and it ends up being a a thoughtful, deep, dramatic superhero film. And that that's what I love about this movie is that it's a drama. Mm -hmm. It's a if you were like to genreify it, you would say like drama superhero action yeah maybe in that order as opposed to every other superhero movie that would be like superhero action adventure and there'd be no drama in the in the titling of the because it's like they aren't really very dramatic there's you know there's there's sweet sentimental moments but it's more of an action movie than anything at all uh and so like even down to the fact that wolverine's carrying around an adamantium bullet like is just like that is so sad and like there's nothing but tragedy in everything that's happening to Wolverine. Yeah. Uh, none of it is comedy. None of it is funny and you know it's not going to end well. However it ends, it's not going to end well. And like that that whole, just that 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 darkness of it is what I just absolutely, it has, has made me, I don't know if I can watch any more superhero movies. Well, and and that's precisely one of the, I don't want to say problems with this movie, but one of the effects of this movie, it feels like an ending, and not just an ending to these characters, but to a particular style of storytelling. Mm-hmm. This makes the earlier X-Men films look ridiculous. It really does. Mm. And, and, and I say that, like, what, what was it, two years ago where X-Men Apocalypse was released? Like, this is, <laughs> yeah. this is a genre that is still alive and kicking, but at the same time, if you make another movie like X-Men Apocalypse or X-Men First Class after Logan, like you you've missed you've missed probably one of the most important moments in the genre, which is kind of an indictment of that entire genre, you know? Yeah. Of of the very fluffy sort of characters and the very fluffy sort of we have to save the world and bigger and bigger and it's worse. Logan is a character who has always been dramatic and always been 
haunted by his own demons. That's been true from the very beginning of the comics. But this film shows him actually haunted. It shows what it would be like for somebody to live for hundreds of years and see everyone they love die and to see the entire world fall apart and to see all of your heroics and your your theatrics were for nothing. Mm -hmm. And just the the consequences of that, the sheer weight of that on an individual is impossible. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. of course, he's a sad old man by the end of this. It, How could he be anything but? Yeah. And all he's doing is the one thing he can to just take care of Professor, Professor X, take care of Charles. Why? He's just doing it because he has to. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thread of father to son and then with him father to daughter is, is another fascinating thread through this, uh, this film. Yeah, like, I mean, the, uh, the movie's a road movie. Yeah. Uh, it's like a road trip film, which is another amazing thing that they did with the superhero movie, is that it's a drama and it's a road trip film. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not... Uh, it's not a golden fleece kind of action event. Well, it's a golden fleece, but it's not like a a like a get the MacGuffin type thing. Yeah, it is like we have to get from here to here, and there's bad guys chasing us the whole time, and horrible things are going to happen along the way, and I'm slowly dying. Yeah, yeah, which is I think the the other beautiful poetry of Wolverine uh, in this movie, especially, is the adamantium skeleton that's made him so much more powerful than ever and made him strong is poisoning him from within and killing him. that that whole thread is just like wonderful and the fact that they they let us figure it out at first like they don't outright tell us that it's poisoning him you know they refer to it as poison you know they the the doctor tells him something's wrong inside of him and he's got to get a check like like there's there's like this thread of of uh of telling us poison but not till late way later he start we don't know find out till like half hour into the movie that he's, he's why he's sick so much it makes me did i mean you probably didn't because you weren't a big comic book guy but the dark knight returns the frank miller comics no i never watched but is that is that the one that the batman begins is kind of based on uh no no so this one i mean it's it's based on in the sense that like it's grittier, but The Dark Knight uh, Returns was a series of Frank Miller uh, comics set when Batman is in his late 50s. And mm -hmm. he is he is an old man who has given up being Batman mm -hmm. as a result of, I think, one of the Robins dies. And so he gives up. Yeah. And and you're seeing the character kind of crippled by his experiences because being a superhero comes with the cost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it's one of the things that you never see on screen. Like, I can't imagine a super, super, imagine a Superman movie that takes place when Superman has been, a, been on Earth for 300 years. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just the weight of attempting to be the beacon for good amidst human beings being shitty for 300 years. Yeah. Like, that's what Logan is. That's exactly what Logan is. Yeah. And and Logan was never that good in the first place. And so yeah. it, it, it makes such an interesting drama in here to for, for it. You're 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 right. And and so so poignant. Oh, it's beautiful. Like so. So the first scene of this movie, 
uh, when I was first watching it was basically set up. The, it, it told me exactly what this movie was, and it was exactly the movie I was hoping it was. Was this is the scene with him drunk, hungover in a uh, in his limo? He, he's sleeping in the back of a limousine, and like just that whole idea of the fact that he works for like an Uber-like limousine service in the future. <laughs> Like, the way they handled the future in this film, I thought was perfect. Like, it was just future enough while still feeling like today that, like, it didn't feel unbelievable and it didn't really matter. It was just like, hey, this is in the future. Yeah. Because <laughs> the future always seems more like today than we expect it to be. Yeah. But, yeah, so, like, the, the way they handle that is great. But the fact that he's sleeping in his limousine and he gets out and he limps around the car to these guys jacking his car. And then they shoot him and he's, like, hurt. And then he gets up and he's like trying not to fight them. And then he fights them and cuts them to pieces and stuff. And that moment where he jumps in front of the car and he's like, not the car. And jumps and gets shot in front of the car because he's trying to keep bullets out of the car. It's just like, like he's so like desperate. Like he needs this limousine. He's so desperate for this car to like make a living, keep his job that he's like throwing himself in front of bullets to protect it. And like. Just that whole thing of like how look how broken and sad our hero is. He's not a hero. He's a limousine driver that's getting attacked and shot and beat up. And then he goes to the gas station and the bullets pop out. And you can see already that he's not healing very well and he's old and he's tired and he hates everything. It's just perfect. It's just a beautiful love. And that sadness isn't just sad in the personal sense. It's not just we feel bad for Logan in yeah, that opening yeah. scene. There is an an existential sadness right at the offset of this movie where you you're made very aware, oh, being a superhero sucks. <laughs> and living in this world as this person sucks. Yeah, and you know, it's not even being a superhero sucks, because he's not a superhero at the beginning of this movie. He's a limousine driver. Yeah. And it's just like Look at how, like, like it doesn't start with him, like, like a crime happening and then him showing up to save the day, right? Like a hero would do. It's him trying to sleep off a hangover in the back of his limousine. And just people just happen to try and steal it from him. Like, what a horrible day he's having. Yeah. And then he gets shot a bunch and he beats them up and he kills them and they run away and he throws stuff at their car like, you why you shot my car? Uh, and then has to go, like, get rid of it get a new shirt and stuff and it's just like what a pain in the ass <laughs> well and it it makes me think of the will smith movie hancock where he yeah. plays you know where he plays essentially superman but is an alcoholic traumatized yeah. by his own experience and that's a perfect example of trying to deconstruct the superhero movie like that's 100 percent what that film was attempting to do that film started out so great by the way hancock it started so well and then kind of got crazy by the end. It, it did. It, it fell apart because it became and, and proved all along that it was just a superhero movie. The drama was always in the backseat uh, to the superhero character yeah. of it. Mm -hmm. Whereas this is a film that says we're going to be a drama throughout. There are going to be bits of action. There are going to be moments where superhero stuff happens. But that's all color for the drama. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's telling part of the story. It's not the story. Yeah. And like the the fact that Caliban was the other mutant they chose. <laughs> like, 
man what a great pathetic mutant <laughs> but like but it's great because like i mean first like plot wise like yes it's nice to have a uh, a mutant that can track mutants for the idea of it being a road film and they need like a you know someone yeah. who can find people so that made sense plot wise but as far as like other mutant that we see he looks weird because he's an albino right he looks different but he doesn't look like like beast kind of different you know so he kind of looks just like a a kind of a, a oddly shaped human that's like broken and also also sad and 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 he's living in the environment that's the worst for him so he has to like stay in the dark and wrapped up he literally looks like nosferatu yeah um and so like i thought i thought that choice of like let's choose a mutant that looks different but not as doesn't look like a mutant he just looks like a different kind of person yeah. To kind of round out this weird trio of people that have been living uh, in, in Mexico at this fallen down water tank, like, like what a great like all of that is set all, all the the first half hour of this movie is set up is just perfect. And the world building they do around all this too, and they do it throughout the film, where they are very very clearly showing us, uh, it, it, similar to the the film Children of Men, where. There is an entire world where something is going wrong. It is mostly rotten at its core. And it may not be the case that this is the entire world, but here in this border between Mexico and the U.S., this is kind of a world at the end. Yeah, for sure. And uh, like everything from the implication and, and then straight up saying that they've gotten rid of mutants by genetically modifying food like <laughs> to... Yeah to uh, self-driving trucks across the country, mm-hmm. to all these sorts of, like, it's just, this is a world at its end. Yeah, it's it's lovely. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, oh, man, that moment where, well, so, like, first when he fights the guys at the beginning and his claws come out, one of them doesn't come out all the way. Oh, heartbreaking and scary. But then he, sad he too. kicks the crap out of him. But then later, when he's sitting on the bed and he like pulls the the one out so that it comes out all the way, and he like screams in pain and then wraps it up and drinks, and it's like, oh man, Wolverine's failing. Everything about him is failing right now. It's so sad to see. And they never explain why he's limping. He's just limping the whole movie, uh, and it's just gorgeous like what a gorgeous setup that the setup of this film is the greatest and the the him and professor x and how xavier's like you know like rambling like a crazy old man in this tin yeah and how any how he he uh well that that uh just that leveling line where he says you're just waiting for me to die as after wolverine left and he just says it and it kind of echoes through the room it's like oh so one of the one of the things they told uh, Patrick Stewart to sell him on being in this movie was that he'd have an opportunity to play Professor X, frail and broken, and because he's never had an opportunity to do that, hmm. to show this other side of this character and to play this to play frail. Patrick Stewart always plays very confident, oh. and so to see him play the other side of it is just and he's right. It was amazing. It was so incredible. Well, and. And punishingly frail too. It, this this movie for me brought up a lot of feeling watching watching my grandmother and and, and her Alzheimer's in in seeing seeing this old man who was once somebody that Logan loved 
and who loved him back and that person is gone he's not like at one point in the film he tells logan what a disappointment you are yeah and and it's not that he wouldn't have felt that before but the the character of charles xavier that we knew and loved throughout all the other films would never in a million years have said that yeah. And and I think that points exactly to why Patrick Stewart would want to play a character like this now, because he gets to be a human being for once instead of just a hero. Yeah, it's it's so beautiful. Yeah. Okay, so since we're on casting. Yep. Um, I mean, the bounty hunter guy or like the, the, the half machine guy, you know, the mm-hmm. guy that an old soldier who'd lost an arm that got replaced with a metal arm. Mm-hmm. He was good. He was nice. I liked him. He was fine. He, he had a good, like, he was kind of charming. But uh, I know how you feel about child actors. <laughs> that you hate them. You hate you hate child actors. So, <laughs> Lara. Yeah. The girl. Yeah. How'd you feel about her? She was perfect. You didn't hate her? I, I didn't hate her at all. I, I thought that she was an, an inspired casting choice and... Uh, I thought that she was so well-written and nuanced. And in fact, I say that of the handful of child actors that were in this film, that mm-hmm. it was at no point did I go, child actors. So, <laughs> That's a pretty damn good thing. I know. We should, tell, we should write them a letter, tell them the style guide approves of these child actors. Because I presume you, you liked Laura as well. I did. I, I think actually what I think they did that made it work was that she didn't speak for the first half of the movie. Yeah. Because it gave us time to like her. Yeah. Before she spoke and acted badly. Cuz she's a kid, you know. Kids can't yeah. act that well. But you know, she's she's learning. She's learning. Um and but but the physical stuff she did and the look and the face and the the things of like like when she sucks the bullet out of her arm and spits it out and like even like just right down to when she walks out and throws the head and you're like i love this character and then when her claws come out and you're like oh my goodness it's wolverine she's a wolverine uh that was just like you immediately feel for her and love her in that moment right before the claws come out you like her she's cool you're like okay who's this kid it's kind of weird kid it's kind of creepy kid but when the claws come out it's like all of the love you have for wolverine transfers onto this kid yeah and so they that so the fact that she doesn't speak allows you just to to transfer all of your love onto her, and you just love her through the first half of the movie. Uh, and then she starts speaking in Spanish, which is also a great choice because now, like, we don't really know what she's saying. We kind of know we can. Not enough people speak enough Spanish that we kind of get the gist of what she's saying. But then when she starts speaking English, by the time she starts speaking English and, and doesn't do it very well, like doesn't have like a lot of emotion in her voice or whatever, it doesn't matter because you already love her. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and you're right to point to that moment where her claws come out and where Logan is shocked. Like that, that moment where he's like, "What's going on?" He sees somebody who is like him, and yeah. and just the 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 strangeness of that experience for him at such a great moment in the film. Because right before that, he's trying to run away and just leave her there. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Screw this kid! I'm saving I'm saving the professor. I'm out of here." Let her, let her die. I don't care. Uh, and then he sees the claws, and that moment is like, now he has to save her. Yeah. Now he cares. Now he cares. Because she's him. 
She's him. He's he knows what she's been through, and is going to go through, especially without him or with him. Like that's the that's the kind of complicated thread through this film where she's more or less being put in a ser- series of situations where she's going to turn out kind of like him. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't I don't see any story and any way that the story continues after this for Laura where she isn't heavily traumatized by these events in such a way that she becomes, you know, broken in the same ways that Logan is broken. <laughs> yeah, which is that that's the thread that I I, I think is kind of nice in this film of of the like the father daughter thread is very like he he there's never a moment where you're like they try to make him act like a father, you know? <laughs> yeah. He's always Wolverine. He's always Logan, but he the way he fathers her is the Wolverine way to father her. And like when she pulls her claws out to just about destroy that that horse machine that she's riding, you know, the little yeah. toy toy, uh, and she pulls out her claws to cut it open. He grabs her arm <laughs> and stops her. He doesn't like say like, "Oh no no no, don't do that, baby!" Like a dad, he grabs her arm and he pulls out a car. He's like, "One more ride," and then puts it in and walks in the door. <laughs> like how he's just so tough with her, you know. Or when she almost kills the guy in the grocery store, and he grabs her. And he's like, "Not okay, not okay," <laughs> and pulls her away. And he's like, "Sorry about that." Hey, do you got phone chargers? Uh, like all the kind of parenting jokes. Like the, the 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 whole thing of him being a parent to her is just like, like like when he says, uh, "She says I I heard a lot of people too," and he says, "Yeah, uh, you're gonna have to learn to live with that one day." <laughs> like that's his parenting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're gonna, you are gonna have to learn to live with that someday, and it's like, well, that's totally what Logan would give her as advice if he was her dad. And then she says, "They're all bad people," and he says, "All the same, all the same." Yeah, and like so, so lovely. It's so lovely seeing that kind of the Wolverine as a dad, but they never made him a dad, which I think was a great choice. I, I think again, showing Charles as as the contrast there, who throughout all of the films has been the father figure for mm-hmm. for people his own age but like you know he has always been there as the mentor or the father figure taking care of those who needed to be taken care of even logan at a point and it would have been so easy for that thread to have continued into logan and have this film end with him taking on some measure of responsible fatherhood in in the shape of xavier in some way yeah, like it could have gone the cheesy method where he helps them get over the border into Canada and sets up a school for gifted children, blah, blah, blah. And he becomes like a Professor X kind of character. Yeah. Uh, but they didn't. They didn't do that. Yeah. I mean, they could have even had him giving some banal advice. But mm-hmm. you're right. The mo- the extent to which his, his advice is helpful is you're going to have to learn to live with that. It's like, so. <laughs> thanks, Dad. Jesus. Yeah. And yeah. like seeing so, and then that family dinner scene in the middle oh, is yeah. like beautiful. Hey, the way they kind of are laughing, and you see Laura smile, and it's like, it's of course the 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 trick of like let's make everyone in the audience warm and happy right before horrible things happen, so the horrible things are more horrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like let's kill Professor X, but first let's have a really nice warm dinner, and have Professor X say, "See, this is what having a family is like." Uh, and this is what living is like or whatever he says to him. But like, yeah, so like that is such a, it's a beautiful moment, which does bring up, kind of lead into, I think my least favorite choice in this film. You mean the younger robot version of Logan? Yeah, X-24, the the clone, the, the evil robot clone. 
Yeah. It is my least favorite part of this film, I think. So one of the, I, I agree with you. And I, I, to, I think I having having seen this film a few times now, uh, I think that it is the worst part of the film. I also think that it's a necessary part of the film, especially because we have that great moment where Charles gets to say goodbye to Logan. You know, Logan, this was without a doubt the most perfect night I've had in a very long time. I don't deserve it. And then the clone kills him. <laughs> yeah. And it's a it's a moment where Charles gets to say goodbye to Logan. Mm-hmm. Logan doesn't get to say goodbye to Charles. Yeah, he runs into the room and holds him, and he says, "It wasn't me." Yeah. Like, isn't that such a thing? Like, he wants him to know that it wasn't him who killed him. Like, yeah. don't think I did this. But he didn't even get that last lucid moment with him. Instead, yeah, this robot clone of him did. And that, for me, is as big a gut punch as, as any part of the film, where, mm-hmm. again, he may be a, he, these may be heroes. They don't get happy endings, necessarily. Life is messy and, and terrible. And, and what, is the, what is one of the unhappiest endings that Logan could have? Well, exactly what happened. Yeah. But you're right. It, it does devolve into such a, I don't know, superhero-y choice. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's just weird. Like this, uh, like this this guy wipes out all mutants, starts growing his own mutants, and then and then the goal is like to make Wolverine again. It just seems a little too much focused on like, oh, we found something even better than these children that are all mutants that we've raised as mutants, is to just clone Wolverine at his adult, and and that's the perfect thing. Yeah. Um, as if Weapon X is perfect. And I mean, let's be honest, he might be the best mutant because he can't die. Essentially, he can't die. <laughs> yeah. He can't die and he's got claws. That's pretty sweet. Um, but like, it, it does put a little bit like uh, more focus on how Logan's the best. Yeah. And, but it does, and, and so it seems kind of weird and sort of uh, awkward, but it does allow us to have the moment of like, and I mean, it's a classic trope of like facing the dark version of yourself. Yeah. You know, like like Dark Link, I think is yeah. the Zelda thing, <laughs> and you have to fight this this other version of you, which is which is nice to see, and it also allows us to. He does use the bullet to blow his brains out, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but it's the clone him, so, uh, and so it does give us some pretty cool uh, things to tell and to do with the story, and telling the story, and get the themes out uh, within the story. But but it was just, it just it was so weird. It's so weird. It was a weird part of the movie for me. Yeah, well, and and that's how they tie in what is the other weird part of the movie for me, which is the magic green goo. <laughs> that yeah, heals. that helps heal mutants and make them tough. And and it's not that I'm I'm saying that my uh, my magical fantasy superhero movies need to be believable. Yeah, of course not. But it's they have built this complex, beautiful, tragic world, and up until the point where we're introduced to young Logan that's that's all that's going on like it's it's just it feels honest enough and it feels like a a real enough world 
and then he beats his young self and then the thing is cured with magic green goo and then he's going to use the magic green goo later to blah 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 and and it felt like a cheap moment in what was a, a couple of cheap moments in what is otherwise a movie that doesn't feel the need to be cheap doesn't feel the need to do things the easy superhero way yeah yeah exactly it feels like the easy superhero way to do that yeah uh and the rest of the movie doesn't and like like i'm trying to think like what else could it have been because it could have been anything else like the the reason they decided to kill off all these kids and that's why they had to escape with them and stuff it could have just been that the experiment had had failed because these kids were all being too stupid so just kill them and we'll start again or maybe they get one of the kids that is perfect and that's all they need and it's that perfect kid that's after him you know like yep. it could have been something like that or, or like you know saber tooth's kid who cares whatever yep. it needs to be uh but somebody else is some other thing that's chasing them that's just as powerful but there it, it does lose that poetry of it being himself that he is his biggest fault you know like the the, the demon he has to kill is himself that's a nice metaphor, but it does feel a little weird. And it, it and it fits into what we're talking about as the meta story of this movie, which is he he has to kill the younger, sexier version of himself, like the character mm-hmm. that that character is almost straight out of the first X Men movie. Yeah. So it it works on that level as well, but I think that making it work on that level lessened the the impact of the actual story a little of the, bit of the drama yeah not not so much that i would ever say that it turns into a bad movie but i think it's weaker for the film itself is weaker for it yeah it was just weird yeah you know it was just weird and, and, and then i'm used to it now but at first i was shocked by it yeah yeah that's the only part of the movie that i think i didn't i didn't uh, i didn't love yeah yeah, the ending of this film. Mm. The so first the fight when him and Laura fight together. How awesome is that? <laughs> how super totally great watching them being killing machines together. Yeah, like father daughter playtime. Like stay behind me, and then he runs, and she like jumps over him, and they like take out this whole army. It's so great. Yeah, it 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 felt like such a great comic book uh, moment. Yeah. But it it felt like it was it was earn, an earned comic book moment, unlike in something like the Avengers, where they will have those same moments in those films, but they won't have earned them over the course of the film. Yeah, they just do it all of a sudden. Yeah, whereas this one felt felt like it was the inevitable buildup of the last two hours of film. Mm-hmm. So cool, so good, and like, and that they work together so well, and like the moment where he's like. Uh... Yeah, uh, you know, you'll know when, you know, go to your friends, you'll know when. And he goes and he talks to the scientist guy and then shoots him. Like, what a weird, like, Logan would never shoot anybody. But how cool was that, that he shot him? <laughs> and and then she knew that that's the signal and they do their thing and they kick butts. Well, and it shows this great moment for Logan, too, where Logan even explicitly says and i think he says in this yeah. film that he doesn't yeah, like i don't guns. like guns yeah. yeah which is kind of his character's thing which you know again lots of superheroes say that but this film kind of inverts that right at the end and it says well he says that but he'll use them it doesn't yeah. really matter i like, don't like guns but i hate this guy more <laughs> yeah like it is a tool it is a tool for him to to channel his hate and so he is more than happy to use it 
Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. It's so fun. So great. Um, and then, yeah, so the big final fight with himself, and he dies. Yep. Or he gets smashed. On, he, he dies on a log, which I think is funny. And then she blows the bad Logan's brain out, and she cuts him, and he dies. And then he says that line. Which is which is a nice line that I immediately thought could only possibly mean one thing, but now that the, and after the fact, when I've watched it a couple more times, it can mean lots of things. Yeah. But in in that moment, what did it mean to you? What was the first the first thing that you just assumed? Oh well, he obviously means this. The first thing, uh, the first time I I watched it, it was it was the moment of oh. This is what uh, Charles was talking about. Oh, this is what having a family is like. Or this is yeah, what... yeah. It was that. It was Logan for the first time, honestly experiencing an actual human moment of love and compassion with someone else. Oh, because Logan nice. has been in love before, but he has been in infatuation love. He is, yeah. and he has never had a family like this film gives him for such a brief second yeah yeah so that's what it was for me that was your first that was not my first one no my first one was this is what it feels like to die right right because he's never died yeah uh, he, he's uh, of course no one's ever died but he should have died so many times when right? he's been shot and killed and thrown off things and stabbed and all these things uh but he always heals and this time he's not healing and this is what it feels like to finally die that's what it was to me hmm which is which is pretty funny because but those are like the two main things that it could have been really. Uh, the other one that I thought on like a second or third watching through was like, oh, maybe he means because this is what it feels like to be a hero. Oh yeah, that could be Cause it he, too. Because he'd given up on that and he'd stopped being a hero and he's never really been a hero. Uh, he's always been like a John McClane, just in the wrong spot at the wrong time and kills everything. Uh, but it's like no, this time he put himself out there to be heroic and sacrificed himself to do something uh to save people and to save this person specifically and so like it was those three things are like the three main things i think that could mean i mean maybe it could mean more but i think it means like yeah this is what it feels like to have a family and and love people this is what it feels like to be a hero and this is what it feels like to die and at first i didn't think it had a multiple meaning ending and now i'm like oh no it totally does and how great is that to leave it open yeah, well, and on your point of it being him being a hero, like this is, and and Laura puts the pin on it at the very end. This is where he, for the first time, really becomes one of the X Men. Mm, yeah, he he has never really been part of that team. He has been around them and on the periphery of them, but he has never been one of them. And in in that last moment. He, I think, I think you're right. He becomes, he becomes a hero. He becomes one of the X-Men. Yeah, so maybe that's what it means. This is what it feels like to be an X-Men. Well, um, but I think you're right. It, the, the layers of it fit. And then when Laura tilts the cross on his grave to the oh, X. It's this like, how could I have not ever thought of that before? I know, right? <laughs> when she does it, you're like, 
how is this not on every X-Men's grave, the cross that gets tilted to an X? How has this not happened already? It's so perfect. Yeah. Uh, maybe it has happened before. I don't know. But it was just so perfect. And like, like you're already sad. And then it's the first time. Like, yeah, it's like this. He's an X-Men. Yeah. Like, how beautiful is that? And like, yeah, X marks the spot, X'd out, everything. It's just so, so symbolic. Uh, I loved it. It, it. it hit me. I cried. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I, both times. <laughs> yeah. You know. There are no more. There are no more guns in the valley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh. and 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 again, it comes back to like that entire uh, line that she's repeating from Shane, which I think she only kind of understands, which is even more fascinating too, mm-hmm. right? Like, a man has to be what he is, Joey can't break them all. There's no living with the killing. And with the character of Wolverine, that means so so many different things. He is a perfect killing machine. Mm-hmm. He also, as it turns out, in the end, shows that he was one of the X-Men. Yeah. He probably could never have been her father. <laughs> yeah, he like, couldn't have stayed alive. Yeah. He couldn't have. And even if he had, he would never have been there for her. Like there's yeah. that would that was that was never a fantasy that was available to anyone in this film. Yeah, can't break the mold. He who lives by the claw dies by the claw. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so any final thoughts? Well, I as as is often the case with, with us and this podcast, I'm interested to see what happens next. Mm, yeah. It in, in a lot of ways, where they go from here is going to be really telling. And w- I, when I say they, I mean Fox, I mean Marvel, I mean superhero mm-hmm. films in general. Because there, I think there are a lot of important lessons learned for the, or that this genre has to, has to learn from this film. I think it's entirely possible that they won't learn those lessons. Yeah, they'll just keep doing. Well, didn't Guardians of the Galaxy two just come out like right after this movie? It did, but like you got to give it some time, right, to really appreciate those lessons. Yeah, and I think Guardians of the Galaxy and the new Thor movie, uh, I think they're doing something different too. I think they're telling a different kind of version of the superhero story, and so it's curious. I'm curious whether there are lessons to be to be taken to the Marvel universe from this film. Mm-hmm. Or whether or not it, the the idea of the isolated dramatic superhero movie that becomes its own trope, which I'd be happy with as well. So mm-hmm. I'm 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 eager to see what's next in the style of this. Yeah, I mean, my final thoughts are very similar to my opening thoughts. That I don't think I need to watch any more superhero movies. <laughs> I think I'm good. I'm yeah. good now. I've saw I've seen it. I've seen where I've seen where they were trying to get to from the beginning. And this movie was such an amazing superhero film that I can't even I can't even, I don't I don't even care about what happens to Iron Man. Yeah. Because uh, he is so uninteresting compared to this <laughs> film. And so I probably I mean, I will see more superhero movies. I I doubt they're gonna just stop making them. But it this movie just totally uh I feel complete. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's been nice re, uh, re reliving the style guide with you for this film. It has. It has. And, you know, I'm sure we'll 
we'll find something else to bring it back for. Uh, I think there's a new Star Wars movie coming out sometime in the future. So, well, well that's mostly what we talk about is Star Wars. Yeah. And uh, I think we're going to do a little uh, little war movie bit too, aren't we? Going to talk some war movies? Definitely, definitely. So there there are a few more style guides, but also in the meantime, if you want your Dave and Steve fix, feel free to go check out uh, One Offs, our yeah. our television podcast. Yeah, we watch an episode of a television show and then talk about what we think about when we watch it. No. <laughs> Cool. Uh, all right. Hey, good talking to you, man. Good talking to you. Love you, man. And, and hey, I'm glad there's no more guns in the valley. <laughs>